0: On a busy road in Vining's, Georgia, about half an hour outside of Atlanta, there's a parking lot. It's attached to a hotel across from a gas station, a pretty common sight. But before the hotel and the parking lot, there was a house. And this house was decidedly unconventional. It was decorated inside and out with homemade dolls and weavings and trinkets hanging from the trees. There were paper streamers, pieces of colored glass, and improvised sculptures. This house belonged to an artist named Nellie Mae Rowe, and she called it her playhouse. I'm Johanna Mayer, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we visit Nellie Mae Rowe's playhouse— After this.
1: If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Life is a highway. And on it, there will
2: be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mick crispy, So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
0: of a detour. Why don't you come on and go? Yes, come on and go with me. This is Nellie May Rowe singing and playing the melodeon in her home. The footage is from a film called Nellie's Playhouse, made by Linda Connolly Armstrong for the Center for Southern Folklore in 1983, the year after Nellie died. Nellie is shown in her home, surrounded by art and creations that fill every spare inch. But she wasn't always able to live this kind of artistic life. Nellie May was born in 1900 in Fayette, Georgia. Her father was formerly enslaved, and Nellie spent her childhood helping her family work the fields, picking cotton. Still, her artistic impulses shined through. I
2: had to go to the field. I didn't have a chance to be what I wanted. I wanted to be an artist, artist. I used to draw, I let iron the floor and draw.
0: She laid on the floor and drew pictures, used a mixture of flour and water to stick them on the walls. She tied together dirty laundry to make dolls, drew on eyes with pencil. Even when it got her in trouble.
2: I'd hide and go make me doll, and My mother would get at me
0: about it, but I just loved to do it. For the first 30 years of her adult life, Nellie put those artistic impulses on hold. When she was 17, Nellie May got married and moved off her family farm to Vining's, Georgia. Her husband died a few years later, and Nellie remarried to a man named Henry Rowe. They built themselves a home, lived a quiet life. He worked on a farm while Nellie worked as a housekeeper for a white family that lived nearby. During that time, she barely made any art at all. Then, when Nellie was 48 years old, Henry died and she was a widow once again. Shortly after, her employer also died. And that is when Nellie Mae Rose's second life began.
3: She's no longer kind of beholden to either white employers or a husband to act a certain way or to be a certain way. She's able to be free and she's able to go back to this love of making and of art that she had in childhood.
0: Katie Gentleson is the curator of folk and self-taught art at the High Museum of Art, Atlanta. The High has featured Nellie's work in its permanent collection since the 80s. It's mostly drawings made with colored pencil or crayon, some sculptures and dolls.
3: Her work is so bright and like lovable, you know, at first blush because of the beautiful colors and the way that she drew animals and human figures in these enchanting ways I think you can look at it for a long time without realizing just how complex and how radical what she was doing really was.
0: I first saw Nellie Mae Rowe's work at a traveling exhibit at the Brooklyn Museum this year. The show was called Really Free, and it's based on the highest collection of her work. It's also the first major exhibition of Nellie May Rose art in more than 20 years. When I first stepped into the exhibit, Nellie May Rose's work felt sort of at odds with the whole museum experience. Here I was, standing in this hushed room, feeling all fancy at the museum, and then there were these vibrant, explosive drawings hanging on the wall. Nellie worked primarily in colored pencil and crayon, and when you look up close at her work, the color is so rich and strong, like she was pressing the pencil into the paper with all her weight. After a lifetime of tough work and sacrifice, Nellie returned to childlike themes in her art. Dolls, flowers, animals, suns, smiles. Whimsical and light. One of Katie Gentleson's favorite pieces is a drawing of Nellie in a green dress, riding this sort of psychedelic chicken. It's got a purple head, a white body, and red and white striped wings. Nellie and the chicken are sort of crashing into the abstract face of a man, whose blue eyebrows grow out of his face and sprout into a giant tree. Other animals swirl around in the background. And of course, everything is rendered in big, bold, bright colors.
3: It's just like this extremely exuberant puzzle. (laughs) It's just such a perfect example of the way that she let her imagination run free when she was, you know, sitting down with a piece of paper and crayons and um, letting things kind of flow into one thing into the next. And it shows her in this like riding position where she's like... She's having a great time. She's harnessed this energy. She's along for the ride of her own imagination.
0: In the Linda Connolly Armstrong documentary, Nellie explains her process, how she allowed intuition to take over.
2: That's the way I do my drawing. Just which way my pencil turn or way I see it my eye point, that's what I draw. I may start drawing a flower But if it comes to me, I put an eye up on it, a nose or something, it's going to look like a person. When I draw, I'm just guessing at what I'm drawing. I don't know what to do until I finish
0: it. As Nellie grew older, her work began to expand beyond the page and into her house and yard, where the parking lot and hotel now stand.
3: Nellie May Rowe lived in a small, less than 1,000-square-foot, I would say, one-story house on a very busy road, a very humble house that she had built with her second husband, Henry Rowe.
0: Nellie May Rowe called her home the Playhouse. No surface was too mundane or small for decoration. She wove straps of leather through the chain link of her fence to make a texture reminiscent of a woven basket. She stitched together dolls, sat them up on chairs outside. She pressed bottle caps into the walkway leading up to her door, transforming the dirt into a shiny, dappled path. Art Papers magazine described it this way. When the front gate to her small garden slammed, you realized you were inside one of Nellie's drawings.
3: There's no like singular way to describe what the Playhouse looked like, because it was this ever-changing kind of installation of found and recycled objects that she had this amazing talent for repurposing.
4: It was such a neat experience when I got to Nellie's house. So obviously the first thing I would do is look in the tree and find something to grab. She had toys
0: all over her yard. This is Kenneth Brown. He's Nellie May Rose's nephew. This audio is from a virtual event hosted by the High. As a kid, Kenneth would visit his aunt on the weekends.
4: It was like magic for a kid, four-year-old kid. It was like an amusement park. She was always, always making something. I can remember that um, waste baskets was made out of uh, egg cartons, the Styrofoam egg cartons, and the bottom was a plate, paper plate of some sort, and she, she binded it all together with yarn. She was always creating something.
2: But I try to, have to do too many things. I start sewing. Next thing I'm out of do my hole. Then I uh, put that down and then I want to draw a little. That's just the way it goes. I don't ever finish nothing right at once. I just enjoy things like that. I'm back a child. I like to play. I'm going to play in my playhouse, too. i going to just keep playing.
0: Nellie Mae Rose Yard came to life when her husband and employer died, when she gained a noticeable degree of freedom. She was a Black woman living alone in a predominantly white area, leading an unabashedly unconventional life. And there were different reactions to that. People vandalized the playhouse, threw eggs and firecrackers at it.
4: Kids at the elementary school I went to thought she was a witch. People would pick at her, and and it would that would bother me and anger me. And uh, but she didn't care what people thought about her. She was her own person. It was a peaceful confidence that not
0: many people have, but she did. At the same time, she had many admirers. Nellie May Rowe actually did experience a degree of recognition for her art while she was alive. She had a show in New York, and a local paper published a profile of her, complete with photos. After that article came out, instead of just driving past and staring, people began to stop at the playhouse. She'd invite them in. They'd sit in the yard.
3: She really had like 12 guest books from that point on over the course of her lifetime. Like she was just filling them with signatures and messages. The messages that people were leaving, they weren't just signing their names and where they'd come from. They were leaving these incredible messages of affirmation about how They'd never met anyone like her, and she completely changed their lives and showed them the way that they wanted to live their own lives.
4: That was her. That was her. She was definitely ahead of her time. The magic was always there. She was beautiful. She was cool. And she was fun. And I'm so happy and proud to uh, have her blood flowing through my veins.
0: Nellie May Rowe died in 1982, shortly after the Playhouse was demolished. But Nellie's legacy was already well on its way. A few years before she died, she had her first solo exhibition in Atlanta, and another one in New York. As she was sick and dying, a gallery in Washington, D.C. featured her work.
3: The sense of self that she had, and this sense of self-worth, and this confidence. She knew she was an artist, and she knew that her art was something that could live on past her and carry her vision of the world and her experience of the world to future generations. you come on and go. Yes, come on and go
2: with me.
0: When I saw the Really Free exhibit at the Brooklyn Museum, the final piece in the show was, in comparison to Nellie's other work, relatively simple, a tracing of her own hands outstretched in praise. This was one of Nellie's signatures, her literal hands. She traced them, she decorated them. These were the pieces she said she was most proud of. In an interview with her gallerist, Nellie once said, I leave my hand just like you leave your hand on the wall. When I'm gone, they can see a print of my hand. I'll be gone to rest, but they can look back and say, that is Nellie May's hand.
2: you know no I called Jesus up this morning. Yes, I told him what a wanted. Yes, call him up this morning. Yes, I call him up. Why had the blood running warm in my veins?
0: Our podcast is a co production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes
1: Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka,
0: Camille Stanley,
1: Willis Ryder Arnold,
0: Sarah Wyman,
1: Manolo Morales, Baudelaire,
0: Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson,
1: John Delore,
0: Gabby Gladney. Our technical director is
1: Casey Holford.
0: This episode was mixed by
1: Luce Fleming.
0: Our theme and end credit music are by Sam Tyndall. I'm Johanna Mayer, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher.
1: NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.